LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. The fake me might get me further for the short term. The long me will take me further over the course of a lifetime. And so I just want to be, I want to be, uh, I want to be real and allow people to get scary close. Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Chandler Vinoy, here as always with my co-host, Josh Hunter. That's right. <laughs> hey, I'm excited today because we get to talk with another Josh. You're not the only Josh today. I'm not the only Josh, and his name is Josh Gagnon, who is the founding and lead pastor of Next Level Church, which is one of the fastest growing churches in America, the US of A. That's, I mean, that's pretty crazy. That is crazy. That's our country that we live in. I don't know if you knew that or not, Chandler. But he is also the author of his new book, It's Not Over. Josh, so happy to have you on the podcast today and have a conversation. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's good to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Man, no problem. Hey, can you actually just, let's jump right in. Can you share with us just a little bit about your book, It's Not Over? I know that's a new book. Um, would love to hear some about that. Yeah, the, the the subtitle is leaving behind disappointment and learning to dream again. And whenever you hear that word dream for, for many people, right, it's that, that word dream scares people because they start thinking, oh, man, now we're just going to another book on dreams. Mm-hmm. But my heartbeat on this book was was to talk to to leaders, talk to followers of Jesus, talk to, to people who are, have, have, have struggled with disappointment, have struggled with defeat, people who have shrunk the size of their hope based on the hopelessness of yesterday. And so um, it's a book I'm pretty passionate about. I think if we can get it into leaders' hands, I believe leaders will pray bigger prayers and trust that God has them pointed in the right direction, even in times where they feel like they're going backwards. And so really the heartbeat behind this book, It's Not Over, is is to believe, hey, listen, no matter what I've been through in the past, Mm. no matter what trials I've faced, no matter how many times I've tried as a leader to succeed, no matter how many failures I've seen, it is not over, that God still has a purpose, still has a plan. And in the book, we talk about what it looks like to to move out of discouragement, out of disappointment, out of this mentality of false ex- or, or expectations of our past, just drowning our future and how to step into greater things for tomorrow. So yeah, I'm pumped about it, excited about it. And I'm hoping God does great things. I love the heart, the heart behind that message. And I know probably so much of your story is probably even wrapped up in that book as well. So I'm excited to to jump in here and hear a little bit about how the Lord's brought you to where you are. Now at next level, church, I know we as Josh Hunter. Yeah, <laughs> said, Josh this, Hunter. this might get a little confusing. I'm we'll, we'll roll with it. Um, as he was saying, it's one of the fastest growing churches in America. And what's I think is incredible about that is it's up in New England area. So reaching an area that has not been reached um, as too too often. Um, so doing great work up there. So let's just hop right in. I'd love to hear if you can walk us through a quick overview of the different leadership roles you've been in over the years that have led you to where you are at Next Level Church now. Yeah, yeah, we've been honored. There's there's great movements happening in New England, not just with Next Level, but many different great churches. And you know, when we started, it was almost on accident. So <laughs> I'm thankful for where we are. We started a church. I had no experience, no nothing. And the Lord's used it in great ways. But I grew up um, doing drywall with my dad, believe it or not. He owns a drywall company. And and uh, so that was my first taste of leadership. I was doing drywall huh. and um, I was running crews like, you know, men. And here I am at 16 years old and running five, six, seven uh, men 
uh, and teaching them how to do different things. And so from an early age, I've always, you know, been in leadership roles. And, and then I started Next Level Church in 2008. And like I said, I had no experience. We had no people. We had no money. We had no sending church. I'd never been to a church bigger than 200 people a day in my lifetime. And uh, I really didn't even know that churches started. You know, they always seemed like they, just were, they were just there. The whole idea of like a church starting mm. is strange. So it's, you know, in New England, we don't have churches in high schools and, and so on and so forth. And so, yeah, yeah, really, it's been a it's been a crazy a crazy run. And and um, you know, at a young age, I had a lot to learn. Still have a ton to learn. But looking back, I'm grateful that God has has allowed me to grow. Because if I was still who I was when we started, we certainly wouldn't be where we are today. Yeah, that's, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. I'm, I really relate to, I didn't do drywall, but I did um, irrigation and lighting when I was in high school. And so <laughs> a lot of uh, ditch digging and splicing wires together. And I love to meet somebody that's just done a lot of hard work in high school, you know, cutting grass, um, working <laughs> with your hands. But Josh, something that you said, it, it jumped out to me. And this is something I continue to try to uh, learn through as a young leader, but you're leading, you're 15, 16 years old, I think is how old you you were, then you're leading, you know, these, you're basically a foreman, so to speak, of these groups of five to six grown men. How do you lead someone <laughs> that is older than you, right? Like, how, how do you even start? Because it just feels like an awkward place to begin with. Yeah. I mean, and I think God, God trained me in that season because when I started Next Level Church, I was a young leader. And so I'm starting a church and we're asking, you know, people of all ages to trust this pastor. And so when I look back on that season of, of, of leading men, I, ne- I knew I needed to lead with honor first, that nobody wants to listen to a young leader full of pride, a mm. young leader full of know-it-all, but a leader who's submitted and a leader of honor. And so, you know, when I would go over to the guys and I'd need them to do something different, here I am 16 years old and going over to these men and, <laughs> and I'm like shaking on the inside. But I was like, you know, I'm like, hey guys, like this looks great right here. Do you, do you think it would be better this way? And, and kind of walk them into giving themselves the answers that I was hoping that they would find. And so early on in my leadership, I really became... Um, decent at actually not telling people what to do, but reasoning with them through questions. And that helped me point them in the direction I thought was best. And so I never really told people, go do this. It was more a conversation of how could this get better? Do you guys think it'd be better to do it this way? And typically if there's a better way and you're able to see it and articulate it, most people can catch on and say, and then you give them credit. Man, that's a good idea. Thank you so much for for doing that and thinking that. So early on, I recognize that nobody wants a young leader that knows it all. But, but they don't mind young leaders that ask questions that lead to better results. And so that was kind of pointing in that direction. <laughs> Walk up and you say, hey, what about this? Also, yeah. is there any way I could get a ride home? Anybody <laughs> 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 have five bucks to be able to yeah. get a ride? Yeah. What do you got going uh, on here? That's, that's so good. I, Josh, I can't, Josh Hunter, I can't remember the last. <laughs> yeah, okay, is, we got to figure this yeah. out. So there was a book you read, and I think, I can't remember what the book was. Maybe it was Red what was the red blue book you were talking about? Oh, red zone, blue zone. And you were talking about it's the, the leader's not always the one who, yeah. who has the right answer, but it's the right. one who asks the right question. Right questions. Yeah. So I think just right along those lines is so good. So going back, so you're in New England or I don't, I'm not too familiar with the story. So I'd love to hear a little bit more of how God planted the the desire to plant a church in New England. Were you already up there? How did you feel led to plant yeah. Next Level Church? Yeah. No, I didn't go to Bible school the traditional way. I took uh, classes online after. 
Um, I went to, to college for pre-law criminal justice. I grew up in a Christian home, but I played college basketball. So, you know, I gave up going to church, you know, throughout high school. I was playing in different leagues and, yeah. and uh, playing basketball in college and, and, and going a completely different direction. Um, and when I got home, my mom said, Hey, listen, do you want to come to church with me? There's a pretty girl. And I was like, you know, I'll listen, <laughs> you know, like, what are we talking? And so I went to church and, and man, I started to develop a relationship with Jesus for myself. And, and I uh, started to run the soundboard. I can remember, you know, getting there and sweeping the floors. I just really got involved. I had no desire, or I should say, I had no thought of ever becoming a pastor. And then slowly, God just starts burning this fire in my belly where I'd start thinking of my friends and thinking about how they thought church was irrelevant and pointless, but but I knew that our God wasn't. And you've heard this story many times, church planners. It's just, I wanted to start a church where my friends would go. And that's what just burdened my heart. And, and so with really no money and no experience and no nothing, um, I never read a church planting book. We didn't have a website. Uh, I knew nothing. I was taking classes online. We, we started a, a church, um, really a small group in my basement. And then it grew um, to a lot more people. And before long, I'm having to figure out how to hire a staff. And, <laughs> you know, I was making really good money doing drywall. Um, <laughs> and all of a sudden, I was like, oh, my gosh. So we had to like, move out of our home. We just bought a house. We, 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 we moved out of our home. We got rid of our home. We got rid of our vehicles. Had to transition our entire lifestyle. Because now here I am, you know, 26 years old, was making good money, transitioning over to full-time ministry because this church was growing that we never planned to really even start. Mm -hmm. So uh, since then, though, you know, God's given us wonderful mentors and leaders in our life that, that I'm in debt to. So it's been great. I love that. Can you tell us, looking back on this leadership journey that you've had, can you tell us about a pivotal moment that changed your leadership, uh, maybe, your, maybe your life even? Yeah, there's so many different moments, right? There's so <laughs> many things. And so look, I, 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 when I look back, when I really look back, the thing that comes to mind, and, and, and this comes to mind often, and my staff, uh, my executive team, they've been with me since pretty much the beginning. Uh, the three other guys, Walter, Daniel, and Roman, they've been with me pretty much since the beginning. And there was this time where, where it was just us four. And for about five, six years, it's just us four. It, you know, we're not even really getting paid full-time money. We're just fighting to, to get this church going in, in the least church region of the country. And, and there's a lot of emotions. Like we all know, like our close friends, right? We can show a lot of emotions hmm. and we can be super real and even sometimes maybe borderline wrong, right? And, <laughs> right. and, 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 and Or I shouldn't even say borderline. Let's be honest, right? Sometimes just wrong, you know, just say things too loosely. And so, you know, I, I can remember we started growing. We started hiring people. We were probably six years in somewhere in that world. And we had about 12 to 15 people on staff. And, and I can remember one time everything went wrong one weekend. Everything was going wrong. Nobody did their job well. And I was so frustrated. And after I got done preaching, I said, everybody in my office, I want the whole staff in there, you know? <laughs> and, and I didn't cuss or nothing or tear anybody down, but I had a lot of emotion. I was, you know, visibly frustrated and angry. And, and I'll remember, I'll never forget this because you asked what changed my life, what changed my leadership. I got done speaking. Everybody was just looking at me and they all left the room. And Roman came over to me and he said, pastor, he said, everything you said was right but how you said it in the way they saw you upset and angry, man, that that's going to affect your leadership. They don't know your heart. Like we do. They don't know your character. Like we do all they're going to get are these glimpses of you. And if this mm. is the glimpse they get of mm. you, this isn't what we want them thinking of because it's not the character. It's not who you are. And I realized in that moment that, that as a young leader, I was 
and full of passion and athlete, right? But as a young leader, I needed to remember that I'm not a brother or, or, or I'm not a brother. I'm, I'm a father. And that was this huge moment in my leadership that even at a young age, I couldn't be the brother to brothers and sisters. I had to be the father figure. I had to walk with integrity. I could be upset, but I couldn't let people see me in these little glimpses of time and say, that's who he is. Because as the staff grows, they only see you once in a while, right? They only see glimpses of you. They're not in your home all the time. And so I would say for me and my leadership, that was the big moment where ever since that day, I don't feel like I've ever broken that barrier. I feel like my entire staff, uh, I've treated them the best I could as a father, not a brother. And I've allowed them to to see the, the heart of who I am, not just the passion inside of me and glimpses of moments. Man, that that is such a great distinction. I've never heard it put in that way of like, those you're leading, you have to be the father, not just a brother to them. And, you know, let's, let's go back to that moment. How, and let's just say you could redo it again, of course, (laughs) kind of how they said it, you, everything that you said was right, but how, how you presented Uh yourself was wrong. Let's say, let's say coming up, there's a Sunday (laughs) that a lot of stuff goes poorly. How would you now, looking back on that as the, as the father of your team, lead them through that differently than you did that day? Yeah, well, I wouldn't lead them through it right away. Um, you know, that's that's something that I've learned as well. I, I wouldn't lead them through it immediately because I think sometimes emotions in the moment compromise the integrity we want to walk with. And so I, I would probably call, call a timeout and make sure that I was prepared to lead them. I think the the thing with leadership we have to remember is we have to be prepared to lead the moment. And for many of us, we haven't prepared our hearts to lead the moments that we're stepping inside of. And that's where a lot of leadership breaks down, right? Not just in this particular moment, but all different moral failures. We could, we could go on. Oh, leadership breaks down when we were not prepared to be in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so I would probably prepare myself better for that moment prior to having it, think it through and, and, and make sure that I was calculated. Um, and then I just, I just think now it would be understanding, like my, I talk to my brother, I have a brother. I talk to him a lot different than I do my kids. Hmm. And it would just be understanding my tone, the gentleness I, I work through, the communicate through all of that would change. And, and it has, um, and I think, I think if, if the, if the listeners would understand that if you're a, a, a leading a team, I think the one thing to keep in mind that I think could help all of us is simply I'm the father in this conversation. So have the father's heart. I'm not the brother in this conversation. There's a major difference in how everything will be calculated and different in your mind. If you enter it with that type of thinking. Such good distinction. Well, Over the years, as you've been pastoring Next Level Church, I'm sure there's just been a few mistakes along the way. Not not too many. But what what would you say uh, was your biggest mistake as a leader getting started? And then how even did that set you up for for later success in your leadership? Yeah, I think early on, we moved just way too fast. Hmm. You know, we moved moved faster than, than people were willing to move, made decisions way too fast. And so I think early on starting locations, you know, we were able to start, we have, you know, several locations and by God's grace, most of them survived. <laughs> not all, not all of them, but most of them survived. And, um, but we always moved a little too quick. And when you move too quick, unfortunately you have less buy-in and then you do, you spend less time developing the people who you're, who you're placing in leadership. And so I think we spent too little time in leadership development 
and a lot of time in moving the ball forward. And those those two things, if not mixed correctly, can create a lot of damage. If I'm moving the ball really forward in an organization, but I'm not developing leaders for the forward movement, that's going to create a lot of a lot of a lot of tension. And eventually, you're going to hit roadblocks that you wouldn't have to lead. So I think. We moved too quick. Uh, we didn't develop leaders well. We just put people in positions and we didn't develop them well. And the other thing just about while we were speaking comes to mind is just not waiting till the morning to, to make decisions or handle those hard situations like we just talked about. Um, a lot of mistakes I made was, was because I made the decision in the moment. And I've learned that, that um, wait till the morning. Wait till the morning to make major decisions to handle conflict. Wait till the morning because uh, everything seems to look different in the morning. I don't know about you guys, but when I wake <laughs> up the next day after conflict or staffing issue or even like bad news at the church, so and so is leaving, you name it, right? Or, or bad video and creative team messed up or I messed up, whatever it is, right? When you wait till the morning, you wake up and you're kind of like, what was I so worked up about? Right. And so <laughs> yeah. I've just learned like call a timeout and don't have that conversation. Don't make that decision. Don't start that location until you just wait till the morning and see if it still looks okay. <laughs> oh, for sure. Our team, we, we say a lot. We say sleep on it. Exactly. Exactly. Do we have to make this decision right now? Okay, cool. Sleep on it. And we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. That's funny. Exactly. You mentioned buy-in a couple of times, Josh, what is buy-in from people to a leader, followers to a leader, what is buy-in? And then two, how do you get it? Hmm. Yeah, I think buy-in is people trusting the direction you're taking them and filling that gap between, you know, suspicion and, 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 and trust, like filling that, that with trust and saying, listen, I completely, I completely trust where it is you're taking. I'm bought into you as a, as a leader. I'm bought into your character. I'm bought into who you are as a person and I'm bought into where it is you're taking us. And I think that, that that's something that, that is earned. You know, it's funny now that we hire, you know, so many different people when they come on the team, we just tell them right up front, listen, we know that, that you're not someone full of trust and buy-in right now. Mm. We know that. And I, I think it's okay to give space to say, we know you're not there, but we're not okay with you not staying there. So let's work together in order to create a culture here at Next Level Church where you're bought into where it is we're going, um, where you're passionate about where it is we're going, and where, where, where you're bought into the leaders, where you trust the leaders that are taking you there. Um, you know, when it comes to hiring people, the thing, come, thing that comes to mind is just recently we said no to a hire of a, of a person who would have been a game changer talent-wise, but didn't line up with what we believe in, you know, yeah. we're hiring them into a Christian church and they say, yeah, I think, I believe there's a God out there. And, and, um, you know, I like, you know, so on and so forth. It just didn't line up right. with, who we, with who we were. And I told our team, like, listen, at the end of the day, Apple's not hiring people that doesn't, that don't believe in the Apple product. Mm. And it's not wrong for the church to not, to not hire people that don't believe in what it is we're selling for a lack of a better word. And so I would say buy-in is making sure the people around you are completely sold out to what it is you're selling and completely sold out to the engine that you're driving in order to sell it. And so um, just a cultural awareness that we're all on the same team, we're all moving the same direction. And, and lastly, but most importantly, we trust the leader that's taking us there. Mm -hmm. If you don't trust the leader that's taking you there, eventually there's going to be moments where you start filling that gap with suspicion and then you know, divisiveness can come in. I'm going to, I'm going to follow up one more into this. Um, I know you, you said that you guys are now launching a, a location down in Florida, correct? Yeah, we have a location we're, we're opening in Florida. So you've got to get buy-in. Um, you, you're up in New England. There's people down in Florida. How do you create that buy-in 
and then create that culture, not just where you are, but across teams, across locations. I think that is something if somebody's at a multi-site church or just even thinking about anything like that, they're, they're wondering that question. Yeah. Yeah. it's a good question. We have 10 locations. And so just to kind of give a little context, our closest location to broadcast is, is 30 minutes away. Um, typically they're an hour to, to three hours away, our locations. And then of course, as you just mentioned, we have one in Florida, um, for the Florida location, we send someone on our executive team, Walter on our executive team down to be a part of this, this team, to build this team, to build this location. And um, I've been spending a lot of time in Florida, making sure that they're seeing my face and, 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 and being able or growing in their trust in, in, in my leadership and in our leadership. Yeah. Really, you want to have a culture. You want to have a culture that's so, that's so thick, like culture. How do you explain it? Right. It's the smell. It's the feel. It's the look. It's the language. It's, it's all these things that you really can't put your finger on. And so for us, we want to impart culture into every location that we go to so that we can say that it's next level church. Just starting next level churches all around the country. Well, that's not really our goal if we're not moving culture. And so we kind of put we kind of put culture keepers in place. So we ask families to move. We ask location pastor, whatever pastor is going to pastor it, to come be on staff at broadcast and then go off to be at that location. And so the most important thing, just a quick answer, the most important thing to do when starting multiple locations to, to make sure that you're just not, you're just not replicating the name, but you're replicating the culture. Culture is what matters. Everybody talks about vision, mm. vision, 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 vision. Give me a break. Everybody has a vision. Everybody <laughs> yeah. has a vision. Yeah. Show me the culture that's going to support the vision. And I'll tell you if your vision is even going to amount to anything. Mm. That's mm. really, really good. Hey, before we get to the next question, let's take a moment and hear from our sponsor. On this podcast, we hope to equip our listeners with the best resources to help churches thrive. So if you're looking at launching a thriving church in a rented venue, I encourage you to check out the team at Portable Church. Portable Church Industries equips churches meeting in alternative venues with total solutions so you can launch strong, be reproducible, and thrive in your communities. For over 25 years, they have partnered with church planners and multi-site leaders, mastering creative, intelligent, effective, portable church solutions. So you and your team stay focused on the things that matter, building disciples. See what this looks like by visiting portablechurch.com slash lifeway. Once again, that's portablechurch.com slash lifeway. Now back to the podcast. What book do you wish someone gave you when you were just starting to lead? Yeah, we give it to all of our staff. Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards is a, a book that, have you guys read that one? I've heard of it. I don't think I've I read was, it. I was gifted it for Christmas. I, I've yet to open it. So it's I'm on point. Probably it about to open it. Point. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a powerful, it's a powerful quick read. But man, it teaches honor and respect and submission and just leadership. So everyone that comes on our staff, it's one of the books that we asked them to read. And I had a chance to sit down with Gene Edwards a couple of years ago in Florida and just pick his brain about this book. And, and that was just an amazing honor because this book really changed my life when it comes to just leadership and honoring those who have gone before me, honoring those who are coming up behind me. Um, it's just a book on honor. So I would say Tale of Three Kings, definitely. Love it. What was your biggest misconception as a young leader? It will happen fast. <laughs> it will happen fast. You know, uh, we often expect way too much out of the immediate and not enough over, over the ultimate, uh, you know, you know, so we're, we're expecting everything to happen tomorrow. And man, I am, am, I'm hugely guilty of that. 
You know, I, I expected everything to happen way quicker, way quicker than it happened. And looking back, though, man, you can see God's favor. I mean, even with even with the book that that I that I'm writing or have already written, it's not over. Man, a few years ago, I had an agent reach out to me and say, hey, man, you need to write a book, so on and so forth. And they said, well, get, get you a book deal. And I felt like God was opening that door. And so I was excited. And they go out and they shop the book to everybody. And everybody says, no way. You know, New England's the least church region in the country. It doesn't have a, mm. an audience, Christian audience, on and on and on. There's no way we're going to sign him. I'm not even sure he's a good writer. <laughs> and so <laughs> every major publisher said, no way. And I can remember getting in the shower and just crying my eyes out mm. and thinking, God, why did it look like you were opening doors only to shut them in my face? Like, what in the world? And then another agent um, reached out to me about a year later and said, hey, Josh, you know, I've heard your name through uh, our friend Brad Lominick and so on and so forth. And would you, would you be interested in, in writing a book? And I didn't get back to that agent for one year because I was so afraid of that disappointment and that feeling of failure. Wow. Uh, and so when I finally got back to, the, the, to that agent, we were able to, to get six amazing book deals and God really moved. And I say all that to say this, like in the shower that day, I couldn't understand why God didn't open the door. Now, looking back, I needed those two years in order to write this book. And so, so often in life as leaders, we forget that God's doing more in us than he is through us so that eventually he can do through us more than we could ever imagine. I'm so thankful that that first book, that's, that book sucked. I mean, that was a real bad, it was a, I'm telling you this book, I'm just keeping it real. It's okay. It's pretty, it's strong. That first book, man, if, that guy, if anybody would have taken that, oh boy. <laughs> I love that. I love the honesty. And I think it's a great segue in your book. It's not over. You talk about how we were born to dream, right? And to dream big. What advice would you give to a young leader to dream big and accomplish their dreams in a godly way? Yeah, we, uh, Jennifer and I, we have two boys, Malachi and Nehemiah, and they love Legos. They're 12 and 11. They love Legos. And so we went into the Lego store and they said, dad, buy us this one. I looked over at the box and there's this huge picture of this finished Lego set, 4,124 pieces, right? I'm thinking, you're not, I'm sorry, kids. (laughs) Like I just, I just wiped the applesauce off your face. Not (laughs) right. Like 4,100 pieces. Are you, I wouldn't even be able to. And they're like, come on, dad. So we buy this box, we get it home. And of course the outside of the box, right? You guys have seen it before. The Lego set is, it looks awesome, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's finished. The picture's done. You get home and you open it up, right? You dump it all over the table and there's 4,124 little pieces. Yeah. So what I would say to young leaders is God did give you that dream. God has spoken a future into your life. God has given you that passion, that thing that breaks your heart that desire to see the impossible, like that's been planted there by the creator of the universe. And I know just like the outside of a Lego box that they can see it. Like we can see it. God gives us a dream in our heart that we can see just like the outside of the Lego box. Uh, But it also comes to us as 4,124 pieces of obedience and resilience and trusting him and faithfulness and overcoming adversity and fighting through resistance. And so what I'd say to young leaders is piece by piece by piece by piece, it may feel slow, it may may feel like it's not working, just be faithful. God will be fruitful, you be faithful at taking each piece in all different seasons and applying it so that someday, probably not tomorrow, someday you'll see the full Lego set in your heart. Uh, That's really, really good. I just, yeah, I just think of everybody wants that massive goal accomplished, that dream that we've always had, but God, he's looking for faithfulness in the small things. It's like you said, I loved how you said the Lego sets, like 4,000, 
123 steps of obedience is going to lead to that. And it's like, well, we don't want to put that time in. <laughs> we just, yeah. we just yeah. want to see the dream realized. But what the Lord's looking for is, is the faithful heart and saying, Hey, I can trust you in the little things. All right. And I can trust you with this. I can trust you with the Lego set that you're not just going to drop it. <laughs> you know, there was a, exactly. there was an interesting article that I read and it, talking about your book and I keep, keeps coming up in my mind, but I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. And so I just sorry. had to go through the terror of finding a new coach <laughs> and all of that stuff. But, um, I read an article when they were searching for a new head coach and the article was talking about, about, Hey, it's better to find somebody that's already failed because mm-hmm. most of the coaches with a winning track record, they actually failed pretty badly before they started winning. Mm-hmm. And when you look at Bill Belichick and Nick Saban and just any other of the legendary coaches that you see um, in football and basketball, a lot of times when you go and you trace back the beginning of their coach's career, even mid-coaching career, there is a lot of losses and a lot of hard failure in there, but it's not over. And they learned from that and they, they rebounded, no pun intended, they rebounded <laughs> from that and were able to have a lot of a lot of success, um, in, in, in their industry. And so, man, I think about leadership and failing forward that term, we hear it a lot, but just continue to remember it's not over there. There, there is more, it's a long process. It's a long journey. So thanks for sharing that with us, Josh. Thank you. Well, let's move to the quick hitters here. So these are going to be short one minute answers and we'll get started with this one. What is your ideal daily routine? So what time do you wake up, get into the office, all that good stuff? Yeah, I try to get up at 6am. Um, Maybe I read till 6.30 if we're being honest. <laughs> um, about four to five days a week, I go for a run. And then I get to the office. I have meetings and I start writing. I do um, wonderful opportunities like this and try to get to my family by four o'clock. My kids are, are big golfers. And so we uh, try to hit the driving range or go to a golf match uh, by four o'clock and then dinner and then time with Miss Jen and in bed by 10. So that's kind of my day. Simple. What is your favorite personality test? Um, I would say Myers-Briggs. I'm an INTJ. Okay. Um, so that's, uh, that's what we do at Next Level. We do a few of the others, uh, but that's what we ask everybody at Next Level to do. Love it. What is an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership? Um, I, I nap about eight hours a day. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so productive. Exactly. Isn't that just called it. going to bed? Like I always go home just feeling fresh. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, uh, I would say walking outside. So, so something that I, I do all the time throughout the day, like as soon as we finish this conversation, I'll go for a five to 10 minute walk outside and just, just, just get outside and think. And so I do that probably 10 to 15 times a day. I just get outside, take in some air, think for a minute and then go on with my day. I really, I really like that. I listened to, um, Steve Jobs biography by Walter Isaacson. And it talked about how he would, most of his meetings were done walking outside and just thinking of that, I was like, man, just to get out of the office, you know, to incorporate that into your day and just hearing you even say that, Mike, that is such a good habit to get into. So love that. What is your favorite app on your phone? My, uh, Apple music would be my favorite app on the phone. And so I, that's the one I use. I use most. I'm honestly not big on my phone. I don't have all those apps. Like my staff have all these apps and there's <laughs> all these, I just, honestly, I did like, do this, use this, use this. I'm like, listen, I'm just going to keep it down to a few. I I'm have my good. Apple yeah. music. I listen to music on my phone. I'm really not techie. Like I have to get set up 
to do these conversations. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty much a tech. I'm a pretty much a disaster when it comes to being techie. So just my Apple Music and I'm cool. Oh, yeah, perfect. That's great. What has been the best book that you've read in the past six months? Scary Close, Donald Miller. Hmm. Um, I thought that was a powerful, powerful book. You know, I'm always trying to work on authenticity. There's something about being in the front of people that just comes with the tendency to want to be fake mm. and be fake in your relationships. And, and, uh, man, I just, I just really want to, to be the, I just want to be the real me at the end of the day, if the, the God will use the real me more than he'll use the fake me over the long run, uh, uh, a lot more, right. The fake me might get me further for the short term, mm long me will take me further over the course of a lifetime. And so I just want to be, I want to be, uh, I want to be real and allow people to get scary close. Mm. Timestamp that Chandler. That was good. <laughs> there's your, there's your quote for the podcast. Boom. What one sentence advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the very first time? Long-term obedience in the same direction is the best way to see your astronomical dreams come true. Mm. Long-term obedience in the same direction is the best way to see your dreams come true. Walk through steps of obedience, 4,123 Lego pieces. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then long-term That's... obedience, man. Uh, the reality is it's going to come with resistance and heartache and pain. There's going to be points of disappointment, discouragement, feeling like you're not moving, feel like nothing's going to happen. Everybody faces that. I don't care if you pastor a church of 20,000, 1,000 or one, everyone faces moments of discouragement, feelings of failure. Stay faithful to what God called you to do and allow him to be fruitful. So good. Thanks so much, Josh, for joining us on the podcast today and sharing about your leadership journey and your time as a young leader. And for those listening, thank you for tuning in today. We hope this has been helpful to you and your leadership. And if it has, head on over to Instagram, actually, not iTunes, Instagram. Give us a follow. Say, hey, we'd love to hear from you. And hopefully you find this podcast helpful. We'll see you next week. See you.